This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. For those people that were listening to the Michael K. Show the other day, this show is going to be forever Game Misconduct. We are not going to change the name to Hockey Vomit. Several reasons why. First of all, it's an intriguing name, but it's very difficult to take the podcast seriously when it's called Hockey Vomit. Plus, I don't think too many platforms, including ESPN, would want to have that name on their site so it's not going to change and for those people who don't know what i'm talking about it's not even worth explaining so it's friday and i still think it's too early to do a top five but uh, anthony our producer i uh, came up with a great idea where we can kind of just kill, go over some of the surprises uh this season both negative and positive and find out whether it's fraudulent or not are these frauds frauds in the sense of are they that bad or frauds if they're that good and you come up with the three in the positive. There's a few you can throw in to the positive category, but the three that jumped out to us, Buffalo, Detroit, and San Jose, because all three are certainly in rebuilding years. It's been forever in Detroit, and it's finally coming together for them as they gotten off to a, a decent start at 2-1-1 one, and one for five points. And you get five points in the first four games. That's not too bad considering the Detroit Red Wings, and that would put you in third place in the Atlantic Division. How sustainable it is, I'm not quite sure. Uh, the other teams, of course, would be Buffalo and San Jose that we mentioned. But let's start with Detroit. As I mentioned before, this has been a slow burn rebuild for a long time. And so you've already seen some changes. The Mantha deal to Washington last year. Uh, Raymond has scored his first National Hockey League goal. Uh, Nadelkovich has been very good between the pipes. Something that is, you know, really since Jimmy Howard, the Red Wings have really been struggling for that kind of consistent presence. And uh, I don't think they're a playoff team. So I'm going to kind of put this in the fraud category just because I don't think they're as good as they've started, but it's better. They're going to be a tough team to play. Great atmosphere in Detroit. There's a lot of things to get excited about. Um, maybe because when you look at how bad Montreal has been, and we'll get to them in a little bit. Uh, can they maybe compete for a wild card? But when you look how difficult that's going to be, where you're going to have four legitimate teams in the Atlantic Division, which is means that fourth team is going to pay, take that first wild card spot. And I already think you got the top three in the Atlantic Division. It's going to be tough, and you're not going to be able to sustain this. You want to be able to get six points. Uh, Stephen Valaket talked about this in the pregame show on the Rangers, and, and Dave Maloney brought it up during our broadcast of the Rangers and Nationals last uh, Nashville last night. Is that you want to get to ninety six points? That puts you in the conversation to make the playoffs. In order to do that, you want to be able to get six points out of every five games. And so far, Detroit will play their fifth game against Montreal, a team that can't win to save their lives. And with five points already, they could have seven, which would put them in the conversation. But again, five games is not exactly a season, but it just shows you that the first segment uh, is going well. So you have to have Detroit in that category, but I still kind of think it's it, it's fraudulent as far as them being able to make the playoffs. Uh, Buffalo, again, slow burn there too, uh, but they are perfect 3-0. and to start the season and they're getting tremendous it seems like uh, Gergensen and Oposo have been great Buffalo has never been to me as bad as what their record's been there, there's talent there but they've moved on from Michael I think that's going to help from a psychological standpoint I think Renato is a legit coach for this team so uh, I don't think they're a playoff team either certainly they're not going to sustain undefeated status 
but it looks like they've got their act together and they're moving in the right direction. But whether it's going to be in a playoff, I don't think so. San Jose, however, is a bit of a different story. All right, They've got their goaltending in order, and the goaltending's been good. Reimer and Hill have been terrific. And you look at the age of this team. It was always too old, right, with Thornton and Marlowe. You know, but now you, you forget, like, you know, Meyer is, is only 25 years old. Um, Rudolph Barclays, as however you want to pronounce his name, he's you know he's 23 years old. Even a guy like Tomas Hurdle is only 27. So they're finally they're finally getting younger, and the youth is starting to show. And you take a look at the division that they're in in the Pacific Division. I think this division is wide open. I do. Edmonton has been tremendous. 4-0 to start the year, right? But is their goaltending sustainable? But I think they're a playoff team for sure. Uh, Vancouver, Anaheim, that they've been a bit of a surprise too. Had 1-1-1 to start the season. Um, but I, I think the Sharks can get into the playoffs. I do. Because I think the Pacific is open. Is is Vegas ready um, to, 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 to take it again? I think they are. So let's give, even though Vegas is off to a slow start, losing two of their first three. But I think Vegas is, is, is a playoff team. Colorado, off to a miserable start. We'll get into them in just a second. They, I think, are a playoff team. But other than that, you know, Winnipeg's off to a slow start, but is that a slam dunk? Shifley and COVID protocol, Hullabuck, it's all really kind of down to him. But are you locking them into a playoff spot? No. Nashville, they started the season on a four-game homestand, only won one of those games. So I think Edmonton's a playoff team. I think Colorado is a playoff team. And I can think San Jose can sneak into that three spot. I do. So I think this could be sustainable. They're very well coached. I, I love Bob Bugner, and I, I think that this this is not fraudulent. I think San Jose can be legit. Now, the three teams that are off to a miserable starts, and let's start with Montreal. I mean, 0-5, yeah, that's a joke. I think everybody knew they were going to take a step back with the loss of Price, with the loss of Kakanyemi, but let's not get crazy about him, all right? He wasn't like he was scoring 50 goals, all right? They got Drouin back, um, so that should have been able to balance that out. Uh, and we knew that they weren't as good as going to the Stanley Cup final, but oh, and five, three goals on the season—that's just uh, that's ridiculous. And and they're done. And I think there's going to be major changes. Bergevin's already addressed the media, and that was going into Game Five, and they lost that game anyway, so they didn't respond. And you know, could a coaching change be on the horizon too? Uh, Descharm was somebody that was kind of tagged with the interim basis, but you had to take it off when he went to the Stanley Cup final. But you hate to see changes this early in a season, but oh, in five, and really being somewhat like non competitive in these games. You know, they, they lose 4 1 last night. I mean, a couple of empty netters, I get it, but you know, they were down 2 nothing very quickly in that game against Carolina. They were a no show against the San Jose Sharks. Uh, so, Montreal, I, I think. You hate to stick a fork in a team five games into the season, but it's going to get worse before it gets better there. Major changes are going to happen, so I think Montreal, I think they're cooked. Now, the Avalanche, really strange start to the season as they sit there at 1-3-0. But let's give them a break. I mean, one of the best players in the league has not been 100% for them. So I, I, I clearly McKinnon gets back healthy, and he's back now. 
that team is going to take off. All right. Now, there's some worries as far as just pinning the Stanley Cup on them. It's been a couple of years since they've had that moniker and they haven't lived up to expectations. Usually that comes in the postseason uh, and not the regular season, but I think they will get their act together. I think what the Avalanche are going through, besides the McKinnon injury, is they realize nothing is accomplished in the regular season for them. All right, they can win the President's Trophy. Yawn. This team's expected to win a Stanley Cup, and that's a tough thing to do in October, right? So they realize they've got bigger fish to fry than any regular season game. Now they got to get their act together because, contrary to popular belief from people outside the hockey world, it's tough to make the playoffs. It is, and if you if you mess up, you know I always bring up with Gretzky, you can't win a cup in October, but you can lose it in October. Dig yourself a big hole, and you can find yourself in a little bit of trouble. I don't think that's going to happen to the avalanche i think they're going to be fine i just think that they are realizing that you know october hockey is kind of tough especially without their best player they're going to ride the ship they're going to be fine i still think they're going to win their division now to the islanders and and this is an interesting thing i'm really shocked by this because even their one victory and the islanders are off to a one two and one start lost in overtime to the blue jackets who have been a very pleasant surprise this year ej raddick told you they were a team to look out for uh, and they lost the game against Chicago, and they weren't really even that great against Chicago either. Got outshot again, which is something that's been a consistent thing with this Islander team. Uh, the goaltending has not been great outside of what Sorokin did against Chicago the other night back, uh, I guess that was on Tuesday. Uh, I'm not worried about the Islanders either because there is a veteran presence there. Uh, Anders Lee had to miss the game the other night because of uh, be, being sick. So he's been kind of in and out of the lineup. I, I think they'll right. I think they're just too good of a team. So I'm going to put them with the Avalanche. I think they're full, they fell into that same kind of category where it's tough to get motivated for the regular season when you're coming off back-to-back trips to the third round and you think that you're a cup contender. And it's sometimes, I think, hard. You know you're a playoff team. But to be engaged every night, you know, that's you know, Barry Trotz, that's not his style. It's certainly not Lou Lamarillo's style. But you saw that with uh, Tampa the last couple of years getting off to slow starts because they realized this isn't the NBA where you have the load management. But I think mentally sometimes load management creeps in where they realize, hey, we're a playoff team. We're going to be okay. And everybody's got um, looking at those teams with the target. Like You get up to play for the Islanders because they're one of the elite teams. And the Islanders have had a tough schedule to start the year. You know They've had to play Carolina. They've had to play Florida, two of the best teams in the NHL. Uh, so I wouldn't get too freaked out by them. But it, it is a little bit weird to see four games played. But they've got Arizona coming up. And also, let's not forget, all these games have been exclusively on the road and will continue to be into November for the Islanders as they wait for the building to open up. So I think the Islanders are going to be okay. I think the Avalanche are going to be okay. And I think the Canadians are dead. All right. And as far as the fraudulence of the teams off to good starts, I still think Buffalo and Detroit are on the outside looking in, but I think the San Jose Sharks start is going to be um, sustainable. And I think they can definitely uh, be a playoff team. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Taking a look at the games from last night. Very impressed with the Rangers. Uh, they got off to that slow start, losing 5-1 to Washington. And you're like, oh, here we go again with this Ranger team not being able to beat the elite teams and kind of just being a, a non-competitive team. And then since then, they have done a great job. 3-0-1. Uh, they lost in overtime to Dallas, but then three straight wins for them. Now, there are some things to pick apart, but overall, you know, they're playing well without Strom, without Kako, those two important pieces, and that probably explains why this team's gotten off to a 2-20 uh, for 20 start on the power play, but Shesterkin's been great. Here's what I'll say about the Rangers compared to the last couple of years, specifically last year. The last two games the Rangers won, they did not win last year. All right, The Toronto game, Shesterkin stole the game. That didn't happen at all last year. All right, Whether it was Shesterkin, whether it was Georgiev or Kincaid, nobody stole the game. Where back in the day, Hank would steal games when the Rangers didn't play well. And the Rangers did not play well against Toronto. They lost 74% of the faceoffs. Fortunate for them, the one that they did win was an overtime on the Panarin goal. And they really struggled shot-wise. They were almost doubled in shots. Again, giving up 40-plus shots. I think the shots are like 41-23 or something ridiculous like that. Yet they still won the game. Why? Because Shesterkin stood on his head. That didn't happen last year. And then last night in Nashville, the Rangers won a third period, something that didn't happen a lot last year. Remember, they got off to the slow start last year, losing to Pittsburgh, where tie game in the third period, they'd give up a late goal, losing regulation. Uh, then they play Pittsburgh the two nights later, tie game in the third period, they'd lose in the shootout. They left so many points on the table because they they didn't win third periods. And last night, they go into a, a tough place to play in Nashville, tied at one, and they ended up being the better team. They get the game-winning goal from Lafayette, the empty net from Kevin Rooney, and they won the game 3-1. to one. And those are two games they didn't win last year. So that's a good thing. And then they get Strom back from um, COVID protocol after the game tomorrow in Ottawa. You know, the Rangers have won these three in a row all on the road. They've only played uh, the one home game, and that was the one point they got against Dallas. So a uh, lot of good things uh, that this Ranger team has been able to do. Get those two players back. They'll be fine. That'll help the power play. As I mentioned, it's been really uh, a struggle. Boy, Fox is fun to watch. Fox might even be better than he was last year. He, this, he is showing that it's no fluke. He is, he is the best player on the team. He's one of the best players in the NHL. It's time for people to start to really recognize that. Uh, Blay is going to make everybody forget about Bushnevich. He's a tremendous player as well. So got to feel good about the Rangers. Again, it's not perfect, but still a team that historically over the last four or five years have gotten off to slow starts. They look pretty good at 3-1-1. One, and one. Well, something I had to give in the Capital-Devil game, considering that neither team had lost, but the Devils then lose to the Capitals by the final score of 4-1. to one. We got word on Jack Hughes' separated shoulder. He's not going to need surgery, but he's on IR, so that's a tough loss. He had a great start to the season, was a dominant player in their first two games before he got hurt. Uh, that's a major problem there. Um, Senators continue to play well. They did lose to the Sharks 2-1. Uh, to one. I'm anxious to see them tomorrow afternoon in Ottawa. I've got the call of that one. Blackhawks are a mess, right? And We could include the Blackhawks and the teams that are off to slow starts, uh, but I kind of wanted to focus on the teams that we expected a lot from. Chicago had a great start to last season, but now you're starting to see the tail end of last year creeping into their game. Flurry hasn't been great. Um, they just don't have a lot going for them right now defensively. That was always a steady defense. It's not anymore. So, um, but they, uh, again, you got to get better goaltending. You can't really give up four goals on 25 shots. 
Um, Flames just haven't played enough. <laughs> they shut out the Red Wings last night, three uh, to nothing. Uh, they I just haven't seen because they've only played the, the the three games and they didn't play till the start of Saturday. Still a minus goal differential. Um, just the one game at home that they ended up losing to Edmonton uh, in the shootout. Uh, but that's what's happening with the Calgary Flames. And, and Edmonton puts a thumping on the Coyotes. The Coyotes are going to be the worst team in the NHL. Uh, they're in rebuild, as EJ said, back on Monday. So that's a team that I just think that they are going to be in contention for the first overall pick in the draft. And, of course, you can't talk about the Edmonton Oilers without talking about Connor McDavid. Already uh, 200 National Hockey League goals. He passed that mark last night with a couple of tallies. And uh, I don't know what more I can say about this guy. I've spent a lot of time on this game conduct podcast talking about him three points last night and here's what he's accomplished so far and what was a tremendous year last year four games played he's got 11 points I mean this is just sick stuff here Uh, Connor McDavid is starting to remind people of Wayne Gretzky honestly honestly uh, Crosby didn't play, I think, at this level as consistently. Now we don't pay much attention to it because they're, you know, they're, they play their games after nine o'clock at night. Uh, they're not in the playoffs consistently. You know, Crosby walked into a situation where he had Malkin, he had uh, uh, Lemieux, uh, a team that you know obviously was coming out of bankruptcy, was built to win. Edmonton is not built to win. I think this year they have a, a shot to be good if they can figure out the goaltending. But four games, eleven points. Six goals in four. It, it just it's it's sick. It's sick, and he is so much like Crosby, right? I mean, I guess this is this is the NHL in a nutshell, right? Connor McDavid's the best player in the NHL right now, and it's not close. And all I keep thinking about, <laughs> I wonder if Anthony will agree with this. When I think about Connor McDavid's personality, when I think of Connor McDavid outside of him in uniform is that picture, that impromptu picture that was taken of him at the airport where, like, the two um, the two fans, and he's got he's, he's in between them, and he's got that look on his face like, please, dear God, I'd rather be anyplace else but that. that that's just kind of like his face all the time. It's like it's, he's just, like, Crosby was is very stoic and Jeter-like, like, where he would say things, but he just, he's focused. Connor McDavid just, he's got this deer in the headlights look, and you know he knows the game, and I think he's kind of comfortable in his own skin, but he just has that, like, look about him. Like, it's it's not stoic. It's not quiet. It's, like, zero personality. And, it, like, that's the NHL, right? In a nutshell, here's the best player of the NHL. And maybe that'll change as time goes on. But you know what? I don't care. I don't care about him doing commercials. I don't care about him doing interviews. I just, I'm captivated by the way he plays. And as much as I love this sport, um, there's very few players that I just that pop out at you where you're like, I just have to watch him play. And like Ovechkin scores a bunch of goals, but and he's flamboyant after his goals. But you know, he's a guy stations himself on the wing, gets you know the one timer for the goal. But, uh, but McDavid just flies like the wind. He, uh, I think I might have mentioned this to you before. I was having a conversation with Phil Bork, and you know, Phil, you know, worked basically entire career with Crosby. You know, working radio with Mike Lang for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and he says he had never seen in all his years of being a color commentator and all the years playing in the National Hockey League, did he ever see a player as fast as McDavid with the puck. Now, there are guys that can fly. Like, Carl Hagelin can fly, right? But not with the puck. This guy can fly 
and dangle and stick handle and shoot and pass, still flying as fast as anybody in the NHL. He's got the potential because Gretzky did it with brains. Right? Gretzky was not the, never the fastest player, certainly wasn't the biggest player, but he knew where to go. His anticipation was on a level that nobody else can comprehend, and that's why Gretzky was so much better than everybody else. He knew where the puck was going to go before the puck knew, never mind everybody else on the ice. Uh, McDavid is a guy that he he flies. He's got the potential when you consider everything that is going on in this league and how tough it is to still score despite all the rule changes. It's never going to get to the way it was in the 70s and 80s. Connor McDavid's got the chance to be the greatest player in the history of this sport. It just it sounds great, but I'm telling you that it's really to that level that he could be. I'm not saying he's there now, but the way he's playing his game right now, you're 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 slack-jawed if you look at a box score where Edmonton scored and he's not in it. And I have not seen that since Gretzky. Now, Gretzky's Gretzky. I get that. And I don't know if McDavid's ever going to be able to match it because the sport's not played the same way. But when you talk about skill level, I'm not sure that anybody has it, has this skill level that he has. And I'm not going to go that whole route of, oh, it's a shame he's in Edmonton. You know, he's being wasted. You know, Michael Kay's always got this line of Mona Lisa in the garage, right? Like when Alex Rodriguez was playing in Texas, it was like the Mona Lisa in the garage. Edmonton's a hockey town. The way we can um, consume sports right now, I could watch every one of the Edmonton Oilers games. Most of them start around 9 o'clock. I know it's later, but you can consume the highlights when you get up the next morning. So, Good on him being in a really hockey town that can appreciate them. And I would love, love to be able to see the Edmonton Oilers make a run because, boy, that would be tremendous exposure. Let's close the week out with your tweets. Let's go to Steve. Sammy Blay has been a huge surprise. Love the dude's toughness. Yeah, uh, like I mentioned before, you're going to forget all about Pavel Bushnevich, and that's no offense to Bushnevich. He, he, he underachieved here from what was expected, but he was a good player for them. But Blake, you, you could throw him on the wing, center, um, the, his vision to be able to see um, Lafaniere on that game-winning goal was tremendous. No, you're gonna you're gonna really love this guy. You, you saw him in their run to the Stanley Cup final with the Blues a couple of years ago, and uh, he's just absolutely great. Troy says Vegas looks like they're missing a physical presence in their games, and they still need depth at center. Which player can co- fulfill both needs, and what would Vegas have to give up to get them? Good luck. <laughs> we'll talk to EJ about this on Monday, but good luck being able to find a center because uh, EJ had a great line when it came to great defensemen in the league. Trying to find a great center, that uh, all the things that, Troy, you brought up, um, good luck finding that. Uh, they don't sell it at the NHL store. Now, if you want to tell me that they might be in contention for Eichel, now he doesn't fill the physical presence, but certainly he can do some things at the center position. But yeah, I think I think Vegas's problem is center more than it is toughness, and trying to find a center, like I said, is very difficult to do. But that does seem to be clearly uh, their weakness. Uh, Sam says, Don, why are there so many bad goalie interference calls? There was another terrible penalty last night where the opposing player was clearly pushed into the goalie with replay. How can the refs get those calls wrong? I've always believed this, that they're loath to overrule calls on the ice unless it's absolutely positively the wrong call. Now, it's different for 
uh, the offside, and we saw a lingering goal get taken off the board against Nashville last night because of the offside. That's that's cut and dried, right? That's black and white. But when this is the problem when you get into reviewing goaltender interference, and this is why I've been against it. If you listen to game misconduct since they put this rule in, I've said this many times before, you cannot review judgment calls, and that's still a judgment call. Did the person that get pushed in, did he do enough to get out of the way? And, you know, did he station himself in the wrong spot? Uh, it is very, very frustrating. And I, I, I cringe every time they go to video replay because it's, it's a flip of the coin. And that's usually the way it is with judgment calls. Uh, David says it's too early to bury the aisles, but it looks like the losses of both Letty and Eberly have hurt them more than anticipated. Well, let's slight wait and see. I mean, Eberly was inevitable, right, because of the expansion draft. Um, Letty, I, I can't imagine that everything is going to tumble down because of the loss of him. But there is going to be a bit of adjustment period. Again, Lee uh, was out of the lineup the other night, playing games on the road. And, and they've also played very good teams. Carolina is good. Florida is a very good team. Uh, they, I think they're catching the Blue Jackets at, at, at a tough time when they lost to them in overtime last night. It'll settle in. You know, you've got new players in there now trying to shuffle that together now with Chara, with Parisi. Um, so it'll take a little time. I wouldn't freak out, and I don't. And if and if those losses are what tumbles them down, then they weren't legit cup contenders to begin with. Mark says, even with Strom and Kako come back, do you think that uh, they will ride with Lafayette and Belay connection if they continue to show chemistry? I do, even if it means technically Laf isn't on the top line. Yeah, I got no problem with that. It, Coach is going to use the chemistry thing. He didn't want to play Panarin and Zabanajad together, but did at the end of the Toronto game, did last night against Nashville. Uh, listen, this is a team that's going to roll the three lines. The fourth line is going to be the tough guy line, and Lafayette being on the third line is not a big deal. All right, There's going to be a lot of shuffling around. They're going to get their ice time, but if there's a connection between those two like there was last night, then they should stay together. Um, Ozzy says, with the quirky... Calder qualifications when Nadelkovich this year. Is it possible that in some world he could have won the Calder Trophy two years in a row? Tweeted this, but forgot. Uh, no, I mean obviously that would never ever happen to be able to do that. So no, it's it's never happened because it just you you. I, I know the numbers are what they are, but no, they would they would never have two Rookie of the Years awarded to the same player. Uh, David says, I'm excited with a Kraken home debut, but the consensus in Seattle is the NHL dropped the ball, forcing the game to be on ESPN Plus exclusive and a wasted opportunity for it to be a nationally TV game in the U.S. while Canada airs it on the CBC. Is that a fair point? Well, where are you airing it? All right, because the game is is a 10 o'clock start. It's the second game of the doubleheader with the, um, the Hockey Night in Canada. Let me just tell you this. I remember, I don't, for whatever reason, I'm vegging on when Vegas, um, how their opener went as far as like time constraints. But I remember the Ducks' first game because I was working at Sports Phone back in the day. And that game was a 10 o'clock start. And they did the introductions, they did the ceremonies. I think they faced off like 11 o'clock. You know, so that game scheduled for 10. I think it's going to face off way past 10 30. All right. Now, the CBC. Hockey Night in Canada, they've already got the second game of the doubleheader. That's their night to do a second game of the doubleheader. Um, Saturday, ESPN's got their college football, all right? 
Uh, TNT, I don't know what their situation is as far as could they have taken it. But again, it's not in their window, right, of, 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 of having a game that late. So I'm sure the networks are thinking, does it kind of, where do we put it? Does it make sense for a game that's probably going to face off minimum like 10 20, 10 30? As great as it is, I don't know if there's a dropping of the ball. And plus, people got to stop freaking out about the app thing. I was the same way, like, oh, ESPN Plus, I don't know, whatever. But since I, since I had the kids, you know, we got Disney Plus. It's on my television, so it's like flipping over to another channel. All right, and plus, I can get it on the phone if I'm out, like on a Saturday night. Oh, ESPN Plus, flip on, watch the game. It's not that big of a deal. Plus, no pun intended, I'm sure that ESPN is thinking we want to try to get some marquee names on the app because we want to drive traffic to our app. That's the future. That's where this sport's going. That was a big major reason why ESPN wanted to get back into the NHL. They wanted to use that to expose ESPN+. Plus. So that's where we're going, where it's not just about cable and sitting in your living room watching it on television. It's watching on your computer, watching on your phone. And if you remember earlier in the week, the exclusive ESPN Plus game was the Avalanche and, and the Capitals. They went with Islanders and Blackhawks on ESPN TV, and ESPN Plus got Capitals and Avalanche. No offense to the Islander fan, and I'm sure ESPN was thinking about you know driving the traffic of the New York and Chicago markets, but when you tra- talk about being attractive, you know Ovechkin, McKinnon playing each other, at least you know the scheduled to, um, that's way more attractive to me, and they put it on ESPN+. Plus. Why? Because they want to try to get eyeballs to their app. So, no, it's not a dropping of the ball because of what time the game is, and getting it on ESPN+, Plus might get even more people to flip onto it. So that's kind of got to be your thinking because I was the same way, like, oh, you know, they're putting something on, you know, the Met game is on YouTube TV or Facebook TV, and you kind of roll your eyes. Well, we got to get out of that now. Things are things are really changing in this world, and I think for the better, the way that we access all uh, of this information. Uh, Richard says, it's not unusual for an initial reaction to a trade to change a player uh, as players get a fresh start elsewhere. What was your initial take on Blay? Bush trade, uh, the uh, Blay-Bushnevich trade, and have you changed your opinion? Initial reaction by many was the Rangers couldn't afford Bushnevich. Blay wasn't key. I never had a problem with the deal because I knew Bushnevich was gone because of the cap. And everybody focused on the cap this year, but by giving him a contract, knowing you're going to have to pay Fox, knowing you just gave Kreider the, the, the contract, knowing you're going to have to pay Zibanejad, there was going to be an odd man out. So when they made the deal, a lot of people didn't look at Blay as being a big deal. I did because I saw the way he played in the Stanley Cup Final a couple of years ago. Now, at the time, I did think they lost the deal because I thought Bushnevich was a better player overall and had better potential. But I understood it because of the contract situation. But now the way the way the, that Blay has played, and then you know Bushnevich with the stupid headbutt the other night notwithstanding, I think they did a great job with that deal so sometimes you got to let things play out but sometimes you also have to know and understand the reasoning behind the deal the salary cap forced that deal to be made what were you going to give Bushnevich and were you going to put yourself in a position where you're not going to be able to give Zibanej at his contract and then Fox you saw what what McAvoy got you know Fox is going to get more so that money had to come from somewhere so people looked at the cap room this year and thought, well, why did they trade Bushnevich? There's cap room this year. But Drury was smart, realizing it's not just the cap room this year. It's the cap room beyond this year for the length of his deal. And they just weren't willing to do it. And they weren't bargaining with a lot of leverage. 
but it looks like they got the, a, a job pretty well done there. All right, this was fun. Uh, by next Friday, I think we'll be able to go back to the tra- traditional top five because by then we'll be a, like almost a month into the season and really get a feel for where everybody is. But Who are you taking out? Good idea, <clears throat> good idea by Anthony, kind of discussing where everybody is as far as the surprises are concerned. So that was a lot of fun. So we'll reconvene on Monday, hopefully get EJ to recap the weekend. And I want you to enjoy your weekend. I'll have the call tomorrow afternoon. Rangers and the Senators from Ottawa. I'm looking forward to that. But enjoy all the hockey. We'll talk to you again on Monday. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.